welcome to another episode of Knife Making Down Under podcast. Today we'll be talking about the social media. I have here Kev Slattery of Kev's Forge and Corin Urquhart from Gamecop. Gentlemen, how's your week? Yeah, really good. Uh, been enjoying my week. I'm still not really doing a lot in the workshop, but I'm, you know, slowly getting back there. Um, I, I had, as we know from our last episode, I had the company of um, the sausage man, Jamie, um, and we went out and looked at some local junk stores to see if there was any sort of rusty gold out there. Didn't didn't pick anything up of um, any importance or value, but, you know, it was good. How about you, Corin? Yeah, Mert, I, um, I've had a pretty busy week, mate. I went down to Melbourne, I picked up a, uh, a new machine. and um, Again? Yeah, well, you know, I am what I am. And uh, I've also been working on, uh, working on some projects in my shed, including making some, or one in particular, uh, chuck key for my, one of my lathe chucks, basically. It's a small lathe chuck that I use on a rotating dividing head. All right, sounds cool. All right, I was doing a big batch of stainless heat treatment this week. I had a, I probably did like 12 blades in total, eight of them being stainless sandwich steel and four of them were damaged steel. So I did a big batch of uh, stainless heat treatment. That's what I did pretty much all week, tempering them, making sure they're all straight and making sure they're marked correctly so I know which steel is what and now I'll be grinding all day. When I think of Mert Tanzu knives, I don't often think of uh, of stainless steels, Mert. Is that something that you're doing more and more of now? Uh, look, um, I have another brand, Hunter Valley Blades. I don't know if I talked to you about the, uh, in the podcast before. So most of my custom orders are all carbon steel, but there are also a lot of people who don't want to deal with the carbon steel and they want just basic stainless steel, custom orders and stainless steel as well. So what I try to do with the stainless steel is to be able to get a better life out of the liquid nitrogen, I like to do them in batches. Because every time you fill a liquid nitrogen, they have an evaporation rate. They don't stay in the dewer for long. So I get it in. I try to get all of my stainless heated at once. And so I get the best out of my liquid nitrogen. Oh, yeah, good idea. That makes sense. Batch heat treating stainless is, is a really good idea, particularly if you are cryoing. Yeah, to be able to get most out of these modern stainless steels, you have to use cryo. I mean, there are some uh, stainless steels like 440. You don't have to do cryo, but if you're working with the damaged steel or if you're working with the, with like the, high, uh, with the high alloy content stainless steel, cryo is the way to go. Then you can get the most out of them, I think. So... I brought up during the week, guys, that we should have a discussion about beginner tips. How do you guys feel about um, bringing a regular segment to our podcast where we give some beginner beginner tips? What is it that we, when we were beginners, and I still classify myself in, in, that, in that category after uh, 17 years since I made my first knife, um, I do still consider myself in that category due to the quantity of knives that I make. What are our tips for people that are getting into knife making? Because this podcast is being, you know, obviously promoted to people who, who maybe they don't know anything about Australian knife making. They don't know who we are and what we do. And um, yeah, I just think it'd be a good idea for us to give them what we feel would be a good thing. Kev? Yeah. My, my first tip, 
And one of the things I see um, with the new makers when they're starting to come through, or, or a lot of new makers, I shouldn't say the new makers, um, is take your time. Don't don't be in a rush to get a knife out to say that you've done a knife. Look at look at the aspects of that knife in terms of um, the the design and then execute all the stages in it to the best of your ability. Quite often we'll see uh, guys posting up a knife. Uh, it's finished, you know, it might be a full tang hunter, for example, it's finished. Um, they're posting it up saying, look what I've made. And, you know, there's there's deep scratches in it. It, it seems as though it's a mix between a hand sanded and a machine finished blade. Um, I think what they're doing is they want to get stuff out there to get the feedback from people, but they're, they're just, going that one step too fast and you know most of the time when you're starting out take that extra 10 or 15 minutes um, and try and get the best finish that you can and do the best that you can with it quantity will come and and quality along with it once you've done a lot of the you know a number of knives to begin with but you end up with um, each stage you're learning that valuable part about you know hand sanding the right way or or you know, how to not get glue on your blade so that you scrape it off with, um, you know, something metallic and end up with scratches back on your blade once you've done that. So my advice to people first up with beginner knife makers, don't get disillusioned by people like us that, or except for you, Corin, people like us that knock out knives pretty quickly, um, take your time and get it done right. Aim for, um, be more like Corin and aim for one or two knives a year um, to begin with, get them done right. But I think the I think that what you're saying comes from Kevlar. As a man, uh, most of men, we don't read manuals. Okay, we don't like reading instructions. Most of us get the information from YouTube or without any previous experience. We have a go at it, and as you said, we're excited. We got something done, and we want to show it. I think if you were to take your time, as you said, that helps. But and again, if you have somebody teaching you. So you look at the knives people made, they're doing by themselves, and also look at the same sort of knives that people do after they've done a course or they are shown by a guy who teaches them what materials to buy or how to grind, how to finish. There is such a big difference. In many, in many cases, you see people are getting into knife making, they're making first 10 knives, then then realize, as you said, most of those knives are full of mistakes and beginner mistakes, and then they decide to see a knife maker, then they decide to do a course, and the work they do after that, it's a night and day. I think if somebody's beginning, I will say, yes, there are good YouTube videos out there, but I will say, best thing a new maker can do is find a well-known established night maker near them and go visit their shop. If they allow, if they do courses, great, do a course with them. This will not only help you make better knives, also it will make your night making a lot easier. For example, let's say you don't know much about knife making and you start you start reading stuff on internet. You buy a tools, you buy a grinder, you buy a little belt sander from your local hardware store because that's what you bought and nobody told you otherwise. Or you start buying steel that's not the right steel or you're buying abrasives from your local hardware store. If you had done a one, if you visited a knife maker's shop, if the knife maker told you what to buy, what not to use, you would have avoided all of those purchases. Because the second you get in a knife making, you're going to realize the small sander you bought off your hardware store, it's not going to cut it. The sandpaper you bought from your hardware store, it's way too expensive. It doesn't cut. 
I will say if somebody is getting a knife making, see if there's a well-established knife maker near them. Yep, good point, good tip. Excellent points. So, uh, yeah, from my perspective, which uh, you've taken two of my uh, two of mine, the next one, the one that I'm thinking of anyway, is just make every knife better than the last. You shouldn't need somebody to point out to you that you've left big scratches somewhere or that your uh, plunge lines don't meet up. But it's okay to move on. Like you can finish that knife. There's sometimes where you just have to say enough is enough and move on. But make the next knife better. That's the the key is to say I'm not making that mistake again and and try and do it a better job. So make every knife better than the last is my beginner tip for today. All right. Yeah. So I'm and you'll probably you'll you'll find that you'll have a really steep um, learning curve in terms of or or you know output to that time that you spend in there. You're gonna improve really fast like that rocket taking off and then you're going to plateau and that plateauing stage is where a lot of the guys come unstuck as well um that's when the really small things come into play like there's all there's always something to improve um as you're going through and it's when you've you know you've done all these massive steps and massive leaps in fixing up your knives and you get to a stage where you're like oh there's nothing else i can do better and that's when you've really got to um you know either take a good long look at it or better yet um, find someone that you trust to give you a little bit of feedback, critical um, feedback on it and, you know, take it with a grain of salt. And if someone tells you, you know, your um, sanding isn't really up to scratch yet, you know, it, it's kind of wavy, shows you how to fix it up, take that on board and take that next step. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you're never too experienced to do a course and a masterclass and go and learn mm. from somebody that's better than you. It, it, that never ends. So if it does for you, then perhaps it's time to, to take up a different hobby. Well, one of the examples of that just on social media recently, Schwarzer going over to spend time with Henning Wilkinson in um, South Africa and Steve's a master and yet he was also saying that he's picking up stuff off Henning. So you're exactly right. It's not like you get to a level, you know, of Master Smith, if that's what you're trying to get to, and then, um, you know, that's it. You can still visit other people and learn their techniques. Yeah, absolutely. And another another thing for beginners, like that that um, Australian Blacksmiths, Bladesmiths and Knife Makers Network, we have a, on there a roll call, and you'll find, like, there's, so many people from all around Australia are on there that you, you often find there's somebody in the same suburb making knives. That that happens quite regularly. Right. Nowadays, we're really lucky with the, with the social media and all those media platforms available. Now you can Google the video of Nick Wheeler and you can find how he finishes his knives or how to grind them. Maybe like 10, 15 years ago, this was almost impossible to find. You had to go visit a knife maker. But now you can get an get an idea of how to approach things with the availability of those videos on youtube yeah that's true that's true back then it was it was um internet forums they were the big the big way to you know meet people and learn and share work in progresses that wip threads which was the big thing on forums back in the day um i guess now the we don't really the forum the age of the forum is i, I guess dead i hate to say it but it kind of is with the more immediate now social medias like Facebook and Instagram, where you can throw up a picture in seconds with a few comments and it's seen by millions. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, when Mert obviously was doing our uh, intro today to our podcast, um, one of the things we're going to look at doing is um, having a bit of a chat, focusing a little bit on that social media side of things. Um, you know, a couple of good points there, but um, one of the ones which I always sort of look at and, you know, you get caught up in a little bit um, is the time involved, you know, that investment into social media. Um, what, do, what do you guys do or how hard at the moment? Well, for me, um, <laughs> my investiture in social media is fairly, fairly intense. Uh, we have to monitor various groups and channels. So I'm an administrator on, on some of the biggest groups on Facebook in the blacksmithing world. So Blacksmithing for Beginners, um, Australian Blacksmiths, Bladesmiths and Knife Makers Network uh, and a whole bunch of other ones. All of those groups, you know, you, you, you're kind of responsible for one person. You're not individually responsible because there is a team of administrators, but one person can get on there and just ruin the place for everybody. They can just carry on like a dick and absolutely ruin it for anybody. And that can happen any time of the day or night. So you have to be ready to jump in and say, look, we don't need you as part of our community and, and move those people along. And that can be, that can be quite intense. The whole investiture from the business aspect, the pages. So I'm involved with the Knife Art Association. And up until recently, I ran Australian Blades Symposium, Sydney Knife Show, Australian Knife Makers Guild, not through the Knife Art Association, but I ran their pages as well. And in the end, I just found I had far too much, too much on my plate. So I've started divesting that and letting other people, um, or help, you know, accepting other people's of help help to to run those various pages but i find that it it sends me into a um i don't know i guess an obsessed crazed depression i really i really don't like the intensity of social media i don't like the immediacy and i don't like the the fact that it's it's live 24 hours a day seven days a week and there's no switching it off it's there happening in the background so something can be happened someone can be just out mouthing off, slagging you off or complaining or um, doing anything. I mean, anyone can do anything on social media and there's nothing you can do or say. You don't get a right of reply. They don't write to you. I mean, they don't have the balls. They're hiding behind a, behind a screen. They don't have the, the balls to front you and say, look, I've got a problem. And that's why in my own personal life, I try not to do that on social media. If I've got a problem with someone, I'll pick up the phone and ring them and say, hey, buddy, I've got a problem. I don't understand what drives people to being, you know, a keyboard hero, if you like. With the, um, I was just talking to one of my suppliers today um, uh, over in the States and he was having the same problem. He had a customer contact him and complain that he'd been messaging him for two days and he hadn't responded. And it's a Sunday in America. It's Monday in Australia where the guy was messaging from Sunday in America. This guy said, this is why I can't stand it. I don't want any part of it anymore. And for me, I would love a Facebook that's on for an hour a day and you could just have to look at it for an hour a day and then switch it off and you can go back to your life comfortably and happy for the rest of the 23 hours. Unfortunately, that's not the way it is. So I don't check messages on a weekend anymore. I've, I don't look at them. I, don't, um, I try not to look at Facebook at all and I try not to look at um, Instagram. Every so often something happens and someone will send me a message and say, hey, Corinne, you need to look. And I appreciate the people that send me those messages. But um, 
generally I don't. I don't even look and I worry about it on Monday because there's not much you can do on a weekend anyway. It's just going to ruin your day. Someone's got a problem or they need some help with something. There's so many people on those groups that can do it. Yeah, um, that, that you see that a lot, which is, um, you know, probably one of the downsides to social media. Um, Mert, you and I, we run um, our businesses. We're, we're full-time knife makers. Um, and social media for us, again, is also a, a business platform. But one of the things I, I notice in the time that I spend on there, which is probably too much time, um, is you tend to post a lot more content um, than me, for example. How do you find um, that interrupting your day, in, for example? Yeah, it's it's taken a bit of time, to be honest. So, for example, last year, I noticed at one point, I was member of three forums posting quite frequently. And I was posting on Instagram, I was posting on Facebook, and then I realized like I'm spending so much time on social media and to keep up with it. Somebody is responding to you. You have to, you have to be active. You cannot just drop and run. I think like I was trying to be active, but it came to a point. I just limited my social media interaction with only a few forms, only a few platforms. Now I only post on Instagram for business and my Facebook is related to it. So anything I post, it goes automatically to my Facebook and I have this, page uh, the i have this app that lets me know what's happening in my pages look if i get something notification either from my instagram or facebook it lets me know there's some kind of interaction i have to respond yes as you said keeping up takes a lot of time and i also noticed you cannot just be constantly posting about what you're making this is up for sale people also want to know you a little bit too that's why i'm trying to be also giving some sort of content letting people know this is my day off. This is what I'm doing with my family. This is what I'm cooking. This is also like sometimes I post the failures I have because people, especially young makers, they look at the social media, they look at the works of the more experienced makers and they think like, oh my God, this guy makes it and he makes it, things look easy. It's not that. We, we mess up a lot of times. We have mishaps. I have broken blades. I just showed a friend of mine the handle that I made today or yesterday it's going straight in the trash. I didn't notice that my I didn't notice my disc grinder tool rest wasn't 90 degree on angle. It was slightly offset, slight enough to offset that the $80 piece of block of beautiful Tasmanian blackwood. It looks like it's made by Salvador Dali. It looks like surreal. It looks like the angle on the left and right, they're not same. I put on the blade, it looks like there are angles all over the place. I didn't notice it till it's too late. So that's why I like to also post my mistakes as well. So people think it's not always glory in the knife making. There's also problems and mishaps and a lot of screaming and a lot of sad moments. So you hurt yourself, you cut yourself. What you make goes in the bin. This is reality. But as you said, yes, it takes a lot of my time. Porn? Yeah, I... <laughs> I've had a similar experience with a piece of timber going that way with a, it was just a rookie mistake. And I didn't even notice it until the knife was finished until I took the knife to a show and uh, Peter Del Rasso picked it up and said, I love everything about it. It's perfect, but I just couldn't live with this. It looks shit. And I looked at it again and I'm like, oh my God, no one else has ever seen it, but it's there. And when you know it's there, it's just so disappointing. Anyway, now with the social media, I, uh, 
yeah, I'm the time wasting to the, what would you call it? I guess effort to reward the amount of effort you put into yeah. the reward you get is um, yeah, you know it's hard. It's hard. You gotta you gotta you gotta make the call sometimes. Like I've got to get back to work. I can't just sit here and that, there's only so much inspiration I can get. You know. Yeah, I'm the same. Like I, I um, found, you know, my workshop. I had notifications set up on my phone. Uh, you're trying to um, get a task done to the best of your ability, and meanwhile, you've got your phone buzzing and beeping and carrying on, and it, it's a distraction enough. And the way social media is set up in terms of that, uh, the psychology behind it, it's set up to condition you, like the old Pavlov's dogs, ring the bell there's food the notification bell rings there there's food for your brain which is that you know oh someone liked my post awesome and it's all designed on that um you know bumping up the the brain to kick out the good sort of feelings when you get that stuff and you kind of got to condition yourself and almost force yourself to to switch off so i don't have when i'm in my workshop i don't have my phone volume up I just went through again the other day on my um, Facebook in particular because it seems every time Facebook updates, my notification settings where I turn everything off seem to revert back to everything on and I just get flooded with my phone buzzing and beeping. So I've gone through, and this is again, particularly in my work hours, uh, and I'm trying to establish you know, a working day rather than being in the shed all the time. Um, I turn it off because I don't want that distraction. And if I have a break or if I need that break from what I'm doing, that's when I'll get the phone out, see that there's, you know, 15 notifications for the for whatever platforms, and I'll have a quick scan and see if something's worthwhile. Like you were saying, Corin, the hard, hardest thing about it is 24-7. I, I've been sitting at home, you know, with the noise in the background TV shows on just winding down at 11 o'clock at night and then I end up with customers, uh, local customers even from Australia, sending you messages about how much to make a knife, da-da-da-da-da, and you're like, man, it's 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> but as a businessman, you got to go, you got to answer that. So you can't, it's very hard to switch off. I set business hours up on my Facebook page from 8 a.m. till 6 p.m. seven days a week and that's what I'm really prepared to invest in. On the weekends, I'll still, you know, answer questions and stuff, but I'd prefer, you know, like you, you've got to switch off. You've got to get that time away from it, time with your family. Yeah, well, the, the problem is most of my client base is in the US. If I, have, if I put myself in Australian business hours, that means like it's pretty much telling my clients over US to not to contact me because we are 17 hours ahead of them in the US. That's the struggle with it. Yeah, with the US, I find um, that's they're the they're the guys I don't real well. You know, I, I'll talk to anyone; it doesn't matter. But um, I find that that late at night when I'm up is when I do my contact with the US guys. It's um, early morning for them, late at night for us, and then think then go to bed and get your six or seven hours sleep. Wake up in the morning; it's later in the evening for them and early morning for us. So I'll spend the first or the last half an hour of my night and the first half an hour of my morning flicking through and, and doing the content for especially for the US guys. 
and that's and that's a great thing. I mean, you guys run your own businesses. It's a different different kettle of fish to us. I've got a number of staff here. We all monitor the Facebook, but it is it is a, it is a drain on your time because you're not you're not being productive. And that I mean, this is probably a discussion for a future episode. But how much of your time as a knife maker, as a full time knife maker, is actually spent making knives? How much of your time is spent marketing? How much of your time is spent mert packing your post to ship overseas? Um, how much of your time is used doing other things within your own business, not in actually making knives? Well, I think when you first start, most of your time goes into making it because you don't have the experience, you, things take longer. But now since becoming more experienced, I find myself spending most of time Actually, like with doing the admin side of things, doing the correspondence, emails, codes, and then also, as you say, packing. Another thing that people don't notice it when you become full time is when you become full time, you spend so much time in your shop, things start to break. Things require maintenance. Okay, your grinders, your the bearings, the nuts and bolts, and cleaning. You need replacement, replacement saw for the blades, relining the forge, cleaning the like. Doing all of that stuff takes time. I will say maybe half of my time goes into admin side or other things versus like being on the grinder or actually forging and grinding and heat treating blades. Yeah, I, I spend a lot of time on that, you know, housekeeping of the shop, housekeeping of the business. And then that comes into play as a little bit, you know, the funny side to that which I've tried to explain a few times to people is when I eventually do get onto the social media and post up a bunch of stuff that I've been working on, uh, you know, I, I do have a high output of work, but people always get on there and go, holy shit, man, you're a machine. Look at this stuff. But it's like, yeah, well, technically I've been working on it for three weeks. I just haven't posted any social media up. So when I post up, you know, sometimes I'll do a batch of, you know, heat treating, like say, and then post heat treat grinding, and I'll just be in the zone and I'll get 10 knives done in a, in a crazy small amount of time, again, through experience. And then I'll post that up and people just seem like that level of output is not happening all the time. I can guarantee you it's not there. It's it's a almost a trick of social media and it's not done on purpose. But, um, yeah, productivity um, is actually slower than it appears um, when I do that sort of stuff. But, uh, yeah, like you said, mate, things you want to try and catch things before they break. As you know, Mert, with your VFD situation leading into the um, blade show, I think it was, crit things break and they always, critical things always break when you need them most. And so yeah. you've got to try and be on top of that. And like I said, the other the other thing which you've got to look at, um, and we know a bit more because we're friends and see, see our own stuff that we send each other, but you've got to have time out and you've got to spend it with your family or you're screwed. So yeah. there's the, the work-life balance, which is a reality, um, I don't mind being in my workshop at 10 o'clock at night, provided my wife, you know, doesn't really care if I'm up there. But if we've got stuff on, then, you know, sometimes she comes home 5.30, o'clock, she'll get home from work. I, I turn the lights off, I walk out of the workshop. That's my day done. Um, so you've got to do that balance. Yeah, look, so, time, um, time spent, time spent uh, with your family isn't... Uh, Sorry, it's not quality time with your family when you're sitting there looking at Facebook or Instagram either. I mean, you have to be, if you're spending time with your family, you've got to be present with your family. So 
That's um, yeah, that's really critical. I think. Yeah. Well, one thing with the social media and availability, one of the things was, let's say you got in a custom order, and all of a sudden, somebody sees like, oh, they see what you're doing, and they start to the question. This happened to me once. Once I took a custom order from a guy, and I told him, look, man, this will take a, this will take a year. At that point, my hammer wasn't installed yet. I said this was a semi knife with the Damascus and all that. It was a fairly hard to make knife. I told him my hammer is coming in eight months. After the hammer is installed, it will take me another four months, four or five months to get to my backlog, and I'll be there. And my hammer came in, but this guy, he was following me on social media as well. And he keeps sending messages like, is it there yet? I'm like, no, man, I haven't put the hammer yet. It will be four or five months after the hammer is installed. So my hammer is installed, and I was getting messages. I'm posting messages on uh, on Instagram with me being in the family. Oh, I saw the hammer is installed. Aren't you working today? No, I'm with my family. Then this kept going on and on, okay? Uh, hey, look, I'm forging something. I'm posting something about I'm forging. I thought you were forging my blade. No, bro. Like, I'm, I'm just doing monosteel stuff like this. I'm not doing a batch of Damascus. It came to a point. I looked at the emails. After 200 emails and correspondence with this guy, I told him, this is your money. All the money deposit you send, take it back. I don't want to fucking make nine for you. Because you become so available, people see you so much. Like, I was getting, oh, you're not working with my knife. Oh, you're hand sending. Is that my knife? No, it's not. Guess what? It's never going to be your fucking knife. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. One of, one of the things, yeah, sorry. One of, one of the, like, that's a, that's a funny thing, but um, I, well, I'll go as far as assuming that you guys... Um, you know, follow Rob Herbert on his page, RNN Blades. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. He, he, you know, he's he's an awesome guy, and and the amount of times you see poor old Rob putting up a fucking video, explaining to people that he doesn't have a website, he's got a limited number of custom orders, and this is how you get a knife. And then it's the same thing. You'll see a knife posted up the next day, and someone will be like, "Oh, can I buy that? How do I buy your knife?" And it's like. I find that sometimes with people that don't look at the past content of social media enough, it's always that like present and anticipating the future. So he's just spent, poor bloke spends like 10 minutes busting a nut, telling people, you know, I've got 50, 100 fucking knives to get through. So you got to wait. And then they're still hitting him up every time. Oh, can I have that? Can I have that? Or he's got these really price. cool. You know, when they send price, you post something. People just put yeah. underneath price. <laughs> yeah. He's making these really cool um, prototype frame lock knives at the moment. And he's put up there that, you know, they're, they're prototypes. And what he does with his prototypes is he finishes them, he gives them to his hunting mates. And, you know, two months' time, they'll come back and tell him whether they're good, bad, ugly. And then he'll go into, you know, for want of another term, he'll go into production of them. But people still hit him up. Oh, can I have that one? Can I have that one? Yeah, you're like, fuck. So I don't get it as bad because I, um, like I said, I, I probably don't promote, push that promotion of it. And I, I, with custom stuff, I'm kind of selective these days. Um, my, my primary business when I'm um, not broken is teaching. And then I, I like doing the custom ones in a smaller volume because then that's my break from teaching and it gives me that sort of avenue to, to go out there. So probably the segue into that is um, 
from you know picturing that from other people's points of view is um the old uh social media hor horror stories and i can see I for just, those, well i just want to yeah, i on. just want to go back a point right you said people don't look back through past content people don't even read the fucking words in the current content kev all right. I've been selling stuff on Facebook and on in, on Instagram and on forums now since 2012. And I got to tell you, I find it so fucking frustrating when I'm selling a piece of equipment that's valued at two and a half thousand dollars. I put up a post that's got a couple of hundred words in it, explaining all of the information that's required. And people ask questions that are answered if they just read the top post. I just want to go back yep. to him and say, if you're too fucking stupid to read what I've written, you're too fucking stupid to own this product, right? You know they're yep. not going to be your customer. You know that down the track, they're the ones that are going to have problems because they never read the fucking instructions, you know? If you yep. can't read it, if you can't read the information, don't comment, don't buy it. Yeah, I saw that. I, I actually like reading comments under... Um, some of the knife makers that I follow on Instagram in particular, I like reading some of the comments. And there was someone that posted up a picture of a beautiful knife and they had RWL34 stainless steel blade, blah, blah, blah. And then the third comment down was, "What's what type of stainless steel is this? <laughs> and, and it's a classic uh, example w. of what you've just said. But you're like, uh, unless he fucking edited this, um, holy crap, really? Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't really like, for me in particular with the horror stories, I don't have too many, like what I actually categorise into the horror stories. I do get the pain in the ass posts from, you know, I, I'd probably um, put onto the report, you know, 100 potential Russian wives a, a week or two, you know. Like I get a lot of requests through Instagram Hi, sweetie. <laughs> you know, stealing from that other uh, podcast group. <laughs> but um, you the know, new, it's new trend is take my pencil. Now I'm getting them like take my pencil. They're giving up yeah. on the high cutie. The new ones I'm getting start with the take my pencil. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> escalated yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll stop sending those to you, mate. <laughs> I'm talking about the Russian bots as well. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay, shit, sorry. <laughs> we, we might have to edit that out then. <laughs> so, uh, like, what are your horror stories, though, Mert? I mean, that that's pretty bad when someone's, like, 200 emails over a knife. That sucks. Like, no way. Yeah, look, you, you get all kinds. Like, sometimes you get people spamming your page. I post the knife. A little beauty salon or hair salon in Korea is commenting on my page, on, on the post. Beautiful knife. Check our content. I'm looking, it's a it's a wax salon or whatever it is in Korea. Like, yeah, that sounds like a perfect marketing plan. I love your page so much. I just want to quit whatever I'm doing. Get my fucking eyebrows done in your salon. Let me just hop on a plane to go on the sale to get my fucking eyebrows done. Or you get like can you, random. Can you yeah. forward their details to me, Matt? Matt, you need you need more than an eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> Free shit requests from, from DMs. Hey, I'm an influencer. I can yeah. promote your knife. I'm like, oh, great. You know, the funniest I had was a few months ago. I had somebody asking, like, I'm going through a DM saying, making sure I didn't miss anybody's email or any message. I see a little music, uh, some young musician, Italian musician. Um, I checked the message, like, what are they saying? 
And I cannot help myself read the message in an Italian accent. And this guy is saying, I'm a new singer and let's make a bar trip. Like I said, I, I, I want a message back and I did. I'm like, what are you, what are you suggesting? And this guy is saying, I'll make you a song, you make me a night. I'm thinking, what kind of fucking stupid deal shit must be? Like, you make me a song? Like, how the song is mine? How do I make it mine? I'm, I'm like, no, man. <laughs> it, it ain't going through. I always wanted a song. I, I, I'll do that. You just put him in my direction. I'm all over that. But when we share a hotel room, I always sing you to sleep and you've never offered to give me a fucking night. <laughs> you're gonna right. get a, you're gonna get a knife in your back one day. Oh, sure I will. All right, let's let's keep going down. I've got a little list here of shit that we spoke about. What social media platforms do you guys use or find the best to use? I mean, there's probably more social media platforms out there that I even know of. Uh, me personally, um, it's Facebook and it's Instagram. I, I don't do Twitter. I don't do, you know, other stuff that's out there. And I find I get enough, for me, I get enough um, business return from those two platforms. My key one is Instagram. And I find Instagram is uh, more social than Facebook. I could put the same content on Facebook and, and get a tenth of the posts and a tenth of the views than I would on Instagram. And, you know, so I, I look at that. For me, uh, Facebook my Kev's Forge page and my Kevin Slattery custom cutlery page and at Kev's Forge on Instagram and that's it. Yeah, well, the big the big problem with Facebook is that their algorithms don't want to support weapon makers like us. And so that's yeah, true. Weapon makers. Yeah, well, that's the way it is. That's the way they see us. I can't, I sell stuff to make knives. There's not one knife on my page. There's nothing on my page that, that's any more a weapon than... than uh, then pardon me half a brick all right so it just strikes me as strange that i have a consistent ban on me on promoting on facebook because i quote and quote sell weapons and uh, what's so, the strangest what's the strangest weapon that you've sold yes kev the strangest one was the corby bolts so for those that make <laughs> knives uh, you'll be familiar with corby yeah. bolts for those of you that have a new to knife making you may not know a corby bolt is a method of securing a handle to a to a uh, piece of steel to your tang and it basically it's basically a screw that when you grind it off looks like a pin so without getting too technical yeah. so we uh, we were releasing a brand new range of corby bolts and i wanted to do a paid promotion to people that like my page why wouldn't i we've got seven thousand people there and i want those seven thousand people to know that we have corby bolts back in stock and we've got all the different types and um, so I put in a paid promotion, you know, 50 bucks, tell everybody that likes our page. Facebook comes back and says, no, you can't do that because it's a, um, they're, they're weapons, basically. You're promoting the sale of weapons. And so the, the result of that was I put the screenshots, if you look through back through our page, you'll probably be able to find it. We put screenshots up of Facebook's communication accusing us of selling weapons and, um, and we thought it was totally ridiculous, encouraged our people to like and share and, and tell us how ridiculous they thought it was and the people who like our page. And we had, we had 7,000 likes and hundreds of shares and everybody found it hilarious. We got more exposure 
from doing that than we did out of um, out of Facebook letting the ad through. So in the end, they let it through because I did an appeal. And this time, I've always argued. We don't sell knives. We don't. I've got all this screenshotted where we've we've argued and argued, and they just don't listen. You responded to with a form letter from a bot. This time, I just put a link, a link to me ridiculing Facebook, and that's all I put in the in the appeal. They've obviously looked at it. I never got a response, but my ad went through after about two weeks. My ad had, my ad <laughs> went through. So I found that, I, as far as I was concerned, that was a success story for me. Well, I think though the, the trouble with the social media is we're kind of getting too dependent on, for example, Instagram or Facebook. We're becoming too more dependent on it. And when they strike against mm. us with those algorithms or when they, some of those hashtags become too dangerous in, in their eyes, it makes most of the knife makers invisible. So what I notice is I'm going through my post and there's a little insight button on Instagram tells me how my posts are doing, how much new engagement I'm getting. But I'm looking at it. My posts are being liked and seen only by the one percentile, like one percent of the people who are already following me. So yeah. I'm not getting any new people. I'm thinking like, what's what's the what's the problem here? Then I noticed anytime you link stuff like, for example, if you want to use hashtag sword or hashtag weapon or something, automatically your posts or your account is going to become almost invisible to the new people who are not following any of that kind of content. So yeah, that's a top you, you you make knives. I, I make knives. I make kitchen knives. Are you like, oh, chef's knife? And the second the word knife is in there, Instagram thinks I'm a weapons dealer and my post is not being active. But last few weeks, I experimented with the new new hashtags or I wasn't even using them much. You know, like you get to have 30 of them and I only post like photography or I had no knife included in my hashtags and I was getting a lot more interaction with the new people. I had like 40, 50 people clicking on my website. Although if I say like it's a chef's knife, although it's a chef's knife, if you use those dangerous weapon words like chef knife <laughs> all of a sudden statistically though mert statistically you're more likely to be stabbed with a kitchen knife you know this yes uh, <laughs> that's true but i don't think any of my knives are used in violence other than potatoes or produce you know i would hope not <laughs> i hope not <laughs> but that's yeah the- it's that's the thing. No, I mean, there's people out there in America, and I, I've said this before, it's a, just a cultural difference. When you're at Blade Show, you guys have both been to Blade Show, and you walk down through the tables, you see fighting knife, fighting knife, zombie killer, fighting knife, swords, um, you know, tactical folders, uh, tactical knife, kitchen knife. And then, you know what I mean? Like, over here, when you go to a knife show, it's like hunting knife, hunting knife, bushcrafter, hunting knife, kitchen knife. You know, it's like a different demographic in a show here that we sell. We seem to have a different culture behind knives. It, it, it is definitely different. I think, as we discussed before, Blade is all about fighting knives and boobies and things like that. But I think here in Australia, we sell more of the stuff that people are going to use. We don't have the same prepper culture. We don't have the same zombie apocalyptic slayer culture here, you know. Speaking yeah. of zombie slayers... <laughs> Well, yeah. 
For those who don't know. Uh, yeah, we, we, we're no longer allowed to have zombie knives in New South Wales because we've outlawed zombies. So legislation change for those that are not aware. If you, uh, if you put the word zombie killer on your knife and you have a serrated section and a normal section of blade, your knife is now illegal in the state of New South Wales. There you go. Oh, it doesn't even have to say zombie. It just has to imply violence. But don't get me on my on my rant. That's nah. that's well, that's well, a very full episode. That one. Yeah. <laughs> just the rant is a full episode. <laughs> <laughs> How do you guys go? Because we've got again, we've got two sort of view. Uh, I guess two ways here. The business side for Corin being the sale of things to make knives, and us being the people that are selling the knives are made. How do you go with people asking for free shit? Me? I get asked. Do you get asked? Oh, fuck yeah. I get asked for free shit all the time. We had a guy come up to us, um, write to us just a few weeks ago and said, I've got a new YouTube channel. It's going to be absolutely huge. And I just need you to give me some stuff so that I can do some videos on it. I went and checked him out with his 200 views on his last video and about 28 subscribers. And I was... I'm, I'm sorry, mate. I wish you all the best, but, you know, I'll sell you something. That's, at the end of the day, you know, you can't, in a business, you can't give stuff away on the promise of something big, okay? I learned that a very long time ago. The people that come up to you and talk big but aren't doing big, just be wary. Be very wary. The people that have, yeah. have um, credence, um, like those people that, that, that have a huge following, they're not normally going to ask for free shit, but you're going to want to give them free shit because you want your product to be on on their thing so they'll share out and, and, and promote you. And sometimes, you know, that, yeah. that just comes And they'll probably you. offer to pay for it anyway. They, 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 those people generally will because they're professional. They, they know what they want to do and they know that it benefits you. So they're going to be more happy if they get it for the better price. But... Um, at the end of the day, yeah, we get asked for, for free shit all the time and, at the, you know, you just can't do it. I, and I know you guys would have the same experience, yeah? Oh, yeah. Well, in terms of the free shit, like, because my content is all about cooking and I get random chefs asking for a free knives and things like that, some people who claim themselves influencers. Hey, I have 600 followers. I'm an influencer. I'm like, good job, man. Good, good on influencing. If they're that big, they should have the purchase they should have the power to purchase it and secondly let's say there's a big page okay think about a some kind of meme page that has maybe thousands of thousands following does that going to do any good to my business is there any correlation with that do i want to be associated with the meme page yeah i see like has this many thousand followers is that going to do any good to my page yeah that's a, such a yeah. great such a such a great point just having Having people that like your page and people that follow, if they're not people that are interested in your product, is that yeah? Is that really doing anything for you, or is it just numbers on a screen that make you feel better about yourself? Um, yeah, I get asked for free shit every now and then. Um, I'm, I've got enough work on because I'm a sole operator, so you know I don't want to give stuff away because it's you know one customer is going to miss out, and I don't think people understand that. So I'm usually polite. Um, if it's someone that's really pushy, I more or less tell them to fuck off and I'll, I'll block them and move on. Um, yeah. So I guess, you know, social media has its positives and negatives and 
Um, we're kind of all slaves to it. Um, I don't think it's going to disappear in a hurry unless we get a um, wipe out of the world's um, infrastructure some way, solar flare or something. Um, and we've just got to, I guess, adapt with it and live with it. Yeah, but having said that, I didn't think forums were going to go anywhere five years ago. I thought forums yeah. were in for the long haul. I think the the corn the problem with the forums were there were little little clicks as well. Because you didn't have to be there as a person, you could be the the cool guy in the big shed. You know, you could be talking down to people or you could somebody you could be mean, you could be you could react and interact with people a lot different than you will if you see them in the real life. Yeah. People who stand behind that, that fake name, if you don't use yeah. your real name, um, suddenly you feel like you can behave like you've always wanted to, like the hero you've always wanted to be. Yeah. yeah. And that Social happens. warriors. Yeah, you get it on Facebook too. The ones that always carry on like dicks are the ones that don't put their real name in their, in their, on their Facebook account. You, you tell it straight away. Yeah, I get plenty of fa- friend requests from um, these weird named people and I go and have a quick look at their profile and they might have 50 um, friends that I have, but I don't know who the hell they are and they don't have any photos of who they are. And you're like, sorry, man, I'm not putting someone up with some joker's name and, you know, it's my pers- especially on my personal page, like, forget that. Yeah, with the, with the Facebook and friend requests, it's funny. Like when if I interact with somebody on social media, or if I met them, if I talk to them, if they add me, like I know who these people are. It's fine. Yeah. In one of the last night shows, I'm standing across the room with another nightmaker. I know who he is. We never talked. Okay. Never said a hi, never said a single word. And I had my, my phone beeped and as a Paolo's dog, I'm like, oh, something, something. Let me look what it is. And that guy across the room was sending friend requests. Like bro, you're like close. Like we never talked before. You never said a single word, and you you adding as a friend. Like, no, I, I don't do that. Like if, yeah. if you're talking to me, if we had interacted on social media somehow, yeah, I'm fine with that. But you get requests for like some random, random Damascus maker from, like I don't know you dude. We never. I don't know who you are. This is my personal. This is my personal life. Yeah, that's ah, a funny old thing. Social media, the joy of it. All right, so I've been hanging out for this for the the whole podcast. <laughs> let's let's go to shed time, and I can talk about my new wall down drill. <laughs> Tell us all about your drill, Kev. Well, <laughs> I put out a call on. Um, oh, actually, social media is good for you know, especially Facebook when you're ch- trying to chase something down. So I put out a call a little while ago. I wanted a bench top drill. I wanted it to be reasonably accurate because I want to make. Um, folding knives um, and there's so many small drills that aren't worth the two or three hundred bucks that people are asking for them um, and Matt McVicker um, sent me a text message just saying hey you're still looking for a drill and um, he'd found a, a nice wall down drill and he wanted the accessories that went with the drill and I wanted the drill so you know we struck a deal with the price um, and, and Jamie Bishop was down um, to deliver that to me but yeah, I've got this really cool um, old school wall down drill. Um, the guy that sold it to Matt was um, in his seventies, and um, you know worked out at um, some um, pretty cool places using this drill. 
And uh, yeah, I got it. And I'll tell you what, man, if you can track down that old school Australian made drills, those things are absolutely bomb-proof. This thing will not move. There's no flex in the table. It's just such solid construction. Um, and I think I'm in love. Yeah. <laughs> I've had a walled-on drill now for probably 12 months now or maybe a little bit more. And um, absolutely, absolutely beautiful piece of equipment. There's a few little things you might want to do to it. Did you get a three-phase or a 240-volt model? Is that the one that you put the VFD on? Yes, correct. So... Put the VFD yeah. on it, and then um, uh, was, I'm now able to slow it right down, drill through steel at sort of, uh, you know, less than one RPM. Uh, sorry, one RPS, I guess, revolution per second. Yeah, I can get it right down slow, and it's just a really lovely thing to use. I can use it for thread tapping as well because it's so slow. I've got a little handheld control for the VFD that sits in the palm of your hand, and it's, um, yeah, it's pretty nice. How's the run out on yours? Have you put a put a bit uh, of? Yep. I haven't actually. I've only turned it on to make sure it worked. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't drilled a hole in anything yet. What um, I... I've obviously got to do a bit of. I've got to do a bit of checking into it to make sure it runs smooth. But, um, and and funnily enough, um, I, I think I've got to drive down to Victoria on Saturday to pick up the next one that I just bought. You bought another uh, one already. Facebook Marketplace. Well, I want to be a collector of something. <laughs> Matt's already collecting enough of those for both of us, isn't he? I, I, want to, I want to join the club like you guys, where you have lots of shit in your shed and you can't get around. Oh. No, that, that's Corin. That's Corin <laughs> with hoarding. I've seen in previous pictures of his shed that he had to walk stuff, to move stuff out to be able to walk in. Yeah, well, that, that's, that's that what's true. I was there. Um, I... Yeah. Matt Matt McVicker has a collection of wall downs. Like so, I yeah, I just I'm a bit amazed, amused that you've uh, you've bought another one, Kev. Well, the actually the, the truth behind it is the one that I the one that I'm buying or picking up next Saturday um, is the same model drill, but it just looks cleaner. It's nicer. It's been so well maintained that, and it was at a good price. So I'll pick that one up. And then I, I may end up having to put this other one on the market for the same price that I got it, you know. So um, I'm happy to do that because I do have a limited amount of free space in my workshop. I, I can't fit two of these wall-down drills in there and still uh, feel, you know, like it's not claustrophobic in there. Well, while you're down in but Melbourne, while you're down in Melbourne, do you mind dropping in at my office and picking up my new tool and cutter grinder I just bought? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is where i'm fortunate that i don't currently have a tow bar on my car so <laughs> the wall down's going in the back and that's all that's going in there <laughs> what i did with my wall down and it's not so much a, the wall down thing but the jacobs chuck is that it had mine had plenty of run out and um when i measured the run out it wasn't coming from the uh wasn't coming from the taper on the on the wall down it was coming from the jacobs chuck so what I did, I put a piece of ground stock in the Jacobs chuck and I measured the run out with a, with a dial indicator. And I thought, well, I can get a new chuck or I can try and fix this. And I actually ended up grinding the Jacobs chuck and having basically zero run out. And I did, yeah, that, nice. I did that with just a little, um, made a little jig to hold the, so that you could clamp the jaws shut and still grind. And a, a Dremel tool basically with a hand held unit i can put some picks up but i got the got the chuck running true so it makes a big difference of course 
when you're drilling holes that yeah. get them on size. Hey, Matt, what do you got going on shed time? Uh, this week, I've gone a little dark with the Facebook uh, marketplace. So I saw uh, somebody was selling wrought iron or some fences that look like wrought iron, and they happened to be also right next to my daughter's school. So I just picked up like a bunch of them. And so it's a gamble. There's a chance that she might not be told, knowing what she's talking about. I got myself a probably 20 kilo of wrought iron for 20 bucks. If not, I got myself a ugly piece of shit metal in the shed. <laughs> some mild steel. Some some glorified rusty mild steel. But it's okay. Yeah. I can I can make it look old and I can call it antique and I can sell it for a thousand dollars, just like those antique animals. Yeah. Turn it into hooks. <laughs> we all know if you want to sell blacksmithing equipment for the right price, you have to sit it out in the yard till it rusts up. But like new tongs are cheaper than than old tongs, and that's why I started bringing tongs in. Actually, I wanted to, I wanted tongs. I was I spent a hundred and I bet hundred and eighty dollars on five pairs of tongs at an auction. I thought there has to be a better way to buy tongs than this. Well, yes. What else has been happening in knife making? Have you seen anything online that um, you know new things coming through or some fancy stuff going on that um, piques your interest? There's a I'll try to find the actual post. There's an engraving page that I've been following, Daniel Engraving Art, I think, on Instagram, and they were doing some crazy gold inlays and engraving. It's I've never fiddled with engraving, but after seeing those intricate and gold engravings, you you think like, man, if if those are nice, like you look at your own work and you think like, man, my stuff is so simple compared to them. These guys are like engraving, or they're doing some like figures of walls and things and they're putting gold in there to make it look like the stars and things another one was john horgan's post john horgan i met him at the blade show he's a master smith he had this dagger okay he reposted the pictures on his instagram he's been new on instagram i can tell this dagger had like 75 little full of gold flowers on it yeah you see you see stuff like that and he posted recently if you haven't i will say go check it out and john horgan and I was, I'm getting in the deep, uh, I'm getting in like the scrolling down of a lot of the engraving related posts. Yeah, nice. Yeah, the engraving um, stuff that's happening out there now is pretty sensational. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's a couple of the Queensland guys over in, um, QMAC guys over in South Africa at the moment. And um, they've been posting up some stuff they've been doing over there with um, being on an engraving class. That's pretty cool. Um, I, I've spent time, as you know, over with um, Bill Burke um, and Bruce Barnett, and those two guys are into their engraving pretty pretty full on. Um, the only downside to engraving is it's just another thing to invest so much time and money into. I, I look at it and I think, well, I'll wait till they're, you know, they're good enough and then I'll send my stuff to them or use one of the other guys. It's just spreading myself too thin to want to do that. Yeah. Mm. Did you guys have any, received any questions? No, I haven't got any. So this is a shout out to everybody out there. If you've got a question about knife making, you want us to uh, um, want us to answer. I mean, it doesn't have to be about knife making. We can give relationship advice, uh, identify plants, 
Um, whatever you like, really. We'll, we're PC issues, uh, we can help with computer problems. Whatever you like, we'll, we'll be happy to take your questions. We may not answer them, but we'd be happy for you to ask. I've gotten a question in my personal knife account in regards to Hamon. I posted some blades with the Hamon on them, and I was getting questions about, hey, how do you do those cool patterns on your blade? So I just want to explain a little bit about Hamon and differential heat treatment. So basically, if you have a steel that is shallow hardening, like W2 or sometimes N95, by, clay, by putting clay on the near the spine of the blade and quenching in the fast oil, you can leave the top portion of the blade unhardened. In Japanese, it's called as hamon. So I'm not, it's not done by me drawing designs on it. It is basically the uh, spine being coated with the clay, not hardening the blade completely. So that's where the, that pattern has come up. And I use W2 or 1095 for my hamons. And uh, to be able to get a hamon, you have to have the proper oil. And you have to use, I mean, using K-type oil. And Kev, what was that oil you you, you using, Kev? Oh, yeah. I, um, I, I did a um, test on a product um, for for Gamaco, for Corrin, and it was the AquaQuench, I think AquaQuench 251. Yeah, we another sell Another Horton's yeah. product. Yep. Yeah, and you you mix you mix that in a ratio with water, so it's a step up on severity of hardening from um, K quench. But I I've actually been doing a mixture of the two, so I'm doing my uh, initial quench straight out of the oven into um, the aqua quench for like a three to five second count, and then out of that and then into the K quench following that. And I'm getting some pretty good um, results with the Hamons. It just—it's an—I have to say, like it's another learning curve because it does produce a, a, a lot of a, a different result to what you're expecting if you've used K Quench a lot. Yeah. Um, but it's—it's it's a pretty cool product. Consistently, like when I was doing the test for Corin for the Aqua Quench Two Five One, which is a synthetic product you add to water by volume. Um, my my testing, I, I had enough to play around a few different grades but there was a chart included where you know it was like 10 percent or something i think I, I had it out at um and just produced really consistent results in hardness popped them all under the hardness tester um you know and they were coming out from quench at uh, i think it was like 64 60 somewhere between 64 and 65 rockwell um from memory i've got it written down somewhere um but that's just another product um that you can use again for 1095 or w2 yeah, absolutely. So the, it's a, basically what it is, is a polymer material that can be blended with water uh, to slow water down. It won't make it as slow as oil, but the more you add, the slower it'll go. And uh, uh, it gives you a bit more flexibility to get your, your faster quenches to get harmons, which is basically the, the theory behind it. The other nice thing, which I, I should actually add to it, is it's very clean. So where you quench your blades into your K quench and they come out and they've got that oils, black oil residue on them, um, out of the aqua quench, you, you pop it in there, it cools down really fast, obviously. Um, you pull them out and your blade is, it's, it's clean, it's lovely. You don't have to do too much sort of clean up before you chuck them into temper. No, that's good. It's, um, it's actually on our website. I just had a quick look. Yeah, we've got a drum of it out the back that we've been 
I don't know, we haven't been heavily promoting it. It's just the guys that are really keen on Harmons might be interested in it. It's $15 for a litre. And um, basically, you mix it at, as he said, 10%. So that'll make about 10 litres. Um, you can mix it at 15%, which will give a, a different result again. So uh, make about 8.5 yeah. litres. So, yeah, anyway, you, you'll yeah. have, a, have a play with it. It's for those that are interested in it. Um, yeah, for sure. If anyone does get it and use it, uh, make sure you've got a pretty good lid on your quench tank because uh, being water, it'll evaporate. Yeah, I'm not sure that the polymer will. You should be able to top it back up like no. soluble oil. Yeah, yeah that's it. The polymer, polymer doesn't, but I, from what I've seen on mine when I've let it settle for a while, it doesn't settle as a, a layer that you can actually gauge and go, oh, yeah, I've, I've lost, unless you mark it out in a bucket, of course. Yeah, you, you might end up putting the wrong um, mixture or volume of water back in. Yeah, which will give you inconsistency. So, look, it's a new product. There's some playing with to be done. We brought it in as a special request to to try and find a way to uh, to quench blades faster without cracks. And there is a limit to how fast you can you can quench. But um, yeah, this is this is a pretty good pretty good solution from what we've heard. If you uh, if you go too hard with it, you will crack blades. But um, you know yep. you, that's what you need to do to get a hum on. You need to have that differential hardness where you've got the super hard edge and the soft spine and and that's going to lead to stresses so to get the the most beautiful hum on you've got the most stress absolutely unky keith tried it too didn't he yeah unky keith's been playing with it hashtag unky keith on instagram um flutter knives k flutter k flutter knives i don't know keith flutter knives keith f knives whatever yep. he is on instagram great guy <laughs> Unky Keith. <laughs> Unky Keith, yeah, that for sure is yeah. is the best hashtag to find him on. Yeah, he'd be loving it. So, um, anyone got any um, anyone got any shout outs they want to send out? I have one for I have one. Uh, it's going for Tristan Bladesmithing, Chad Smith, a friend of mine that we got in the knife making scene at the same time. Almost we helped each other a lot, and last year or so he kind of took a break from knife making and he's going to get back into it pretty strong good fella yep yeah, yeah great great guy uh if uh my one would be for yeah matthew mcvicker vicar forge uh why not uh co-owner of a or another owner of a die filer uh really great guy known him since very early on in my um internet forum forays into knife making uh Used to come up to my house, uh, made his first forges at my place, and uh, yeah, look, just a, just an all-round great guy that, whose work has been steadily improving ever since his department from our services. So um, uh, departure from yeah his service for the Australian government, but yeah, there we go. Very good. I want to give a shout out to one of our guys overseas, actually. Um, Tanner, I want to give a shout out to Tanner Couch. <laughs> <laughs> Tanner, Tanner was one of the guys that we met at Blade Show um, and makes um, slip joint knives under the tutelage of um, Bill Rupel, who's like the, the god of um, slippies. Um, but Tanner, Tanner's posted up a few times um, on our Facebook page about how he's enjoying the content, um, especially when he's on night shift. I think we keep him asleep, I mean awake. <laughs> We keep him awake at the wheel when he's working out on the um, on the ranch. Um, so big shout out to Tanner. Looking forward to seeing you again, my friend. Um, 
uh, sometime down the trail. Yeah, Tanner's a great guy. Yeah. Uh, not much of him, but he's a top bloke. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and he's not Bubba Crouch's son. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Tanner Crouch, not Tanner Crouch. So people. Yeah, yeah that's it. Hey, here's one for yeah. Bubba Crouch, too. He's a, another great guy. That, um, yeah. A great yeah. guy. Great guy. Anyway, yeah. so, look a, him up. A Tanner general Crouch. shout out to. I was going to say, general shout out to all, all the people that listen um, over in the US and. Uh, you know, trying to work out what we're talking about with our Australian accents, but yeah, good on you. Thanks very much. She'll be right, mate. She'll be, She'll be right, mate. She'll be apples. Yep. Closing notes. What are you guys going to work on this week? What do you have going on? Kev? Well, I'm, I'm making a slow return to the workshop. My thumb is healing really well. Um, I was in there um, marking around with some stuff yesterday and I'm going to try and get that handle done um, so I can get a knife up to a, a fella up in Queensland. Um, then that'll be, for me, a bit of a win um, because, as you know, I haven't done a lot in the workshop and I'm I'm, I'm going a bit crazy at home um, with domestic duties and domestic, um, yeah, that stuff. Uh, what about you guys? Matt? Uh, look, I... I have to clean my shop up. I was saying I'll do it after the Sydney show. I will say oh, next week I'll do it. I have to clean my shop up. And also, I have a lot backlog of custom orders I need to finish up. So this week I'll be in the shed cleaning and, again, making it dirty and hopefully cleaning again. So, yes, believe it or not, my shop is also in a bad state. After I've done a, quite a number of projects on the metal lathe and, uh, you know, turning steel, throwing chip all over the place, I've got, uh, I can't walk around bare feet at the moment. Let's just put it that way. I, um, so that's one of the things I'm going to do. The other thing is I'm going to look at the dust system in my workshop with a serious eye to getting that fixed up, which maybe we can talk about in a future episode. But one of the things I've done is somebody, and I thought it was Kev, but apparently it wasn't Kev. Somebody put me onto a guy clearing a bunch of 100 mil wide strip vinyl. And um, I bought a roll of 50 meters for 25 bucks. It's top quality stuff. It's a little bit sun discolored. And so I've made a strip vinyl door, which is a heavy strip vinyl door to my dust room. And I've got to put in an extraction system and work out how I'm going to manage dust because, well, dust is the silent killer of knife makers. So that's something we all have to be uh, yeah. be aware of. Yeah. 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 Dust, death and taxes are the only three things a knife maker has to really sort of bank on. Oh, some people don't worry about the taxes. But yes, the dust is definitely an issue. <laughs> the dust is definitely an issue. So Yeah, I think we'll have to have a look at that because um, I'm in the same boat. My my workshop's just one room. Um, I don't have a, a separate dust room. And I've been I've been looking at these things people have been doing with dust extraction systems and you it's almost overwhelming the number of things you can do, but um I've got an idea of where the route that I want to go, and I think yeah, we'll we'll need need that for another another episode, I reckon. Yeah, because it's not. I mean, there's there's all sorts of issues here. It's not just um, airborne particulate, but also when you have an extraction system, knife makers do what most people who produce dust don't, and that is we put flammable products into our dust collection system, and then we put sparks. And yes, and and that that combination, whilst it may seem innocuous to the stupid, um. 
is actually quite lethal and has burnt down many a shed. So that's something to consider. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. All right, well, gentlemen. Well, right, need to go out and get some work done in the in the shop. And, Kev, uh, how post, can people reach you? What's your, what's your what's your social media accounts? How people can reach you? Ah, they can reach me through uh, my both my website, which is kevsforge.com. There's a contact me page on there. Um, they can catch me through Instagram, which is at kevsforge, and my Facebook pages are kevsforge and Kevin Slattery Custom Cutlery. What about you, Corin? <laughs> yeah, no worries. My Don't uh, contact him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm um. Basically, uh, Nirok at Gamaco on Instagram, of course, Corin Urquhart on Facebook, which I'm the only Corin Urquhart on Facebook, or at least I used to be, so maybe I still am. And um, you can also contact me through, uh, you know, all the other pages and groups of which I'm a member. So, yeah. All right. I'm under Tensionize, and you can also contact me at Hunter Valley Blades. And if you want to contact this podcast, you can reach us through Instagram, Knife Making Down Under Podcast, and we also have our Facebook page, yep. Knife Making Down Under Podcast. Now, we're finally on iTunes and on Spotify and Podbean and also YouTube, and thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and like and give us a review. Nah. We, we need your reviews. We've got a, we're on a bunch of other ones now. Since we've been on iTunes, a bunch of other podcast hosters have listed us as well. So we've finally gone if you like it's for real so yeah it's taken a while but thanks for everyone who's stuck with us we got um 500 of you on facebook and a bunch of people who have listened to us um on youtube and so forth again guys this is your knife making down under podcast if there's anything you'd like to know about if there's something you'd like to ask if you'd just like to tell us we're a bunch of wankers whatever get on there and tell us we're quite happy with that we'd we'd be happy to answer your questions and 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 give you some feedback on what we think of you as well yeah, get involved. It's a good plan. Yeah. All good. All Until right. next time. Good on you, boys. Until next time. Take care, everybody right. out there. Yes. Have a good one. Be safe. Bye.